laying on clouds, rearrange its storms, creating our own constellations. Powered by the sun, you can form elevation. Express love physically and verbally reciprocally. Love mentally expressed through shared ideas. Joint efforts reaching high levels of euphoria. Penetration causes your inhale exhale pattern. An orgasm eliminates it altogether. Bodies and minds fused. Hey, beautiful people, welcome to For Melanin's Sake, the podcast, your bi-weekly discussion centered on hot topics happening in the black community from a black woman's lens. I am your host, G. Webb. Hey, Melanin Tribe, welcome to For Melanin's Sake, the podcast. Today I have Brandy with me and we're going to be talking about whether or not it's in good taste for men to remain friends with their female friends after marriage, but more specifically, an ex. So, Brandy, I know you and I didn't talk about this subject beforehand because I wanted to wait for a moment such as this. Um, And so why don't you jump in and tell us what are your thoughts on a married man remaining friends with this female? friends and then we'll dive into the x part separately so first of all thank you for having me and for valuing my opinion enough to put me on this platform um but i believe that it's it's a very complicated answer and it's because i don't believe it's one size fits all i think we have to consider the history of the couple the dynamics with the friendship i think intimacy is such a huge part of how this whole new triad is going to unfold. And so when I say intimacy, I want to be clear that I'm not referring to sex or romance, but I see those things as dynamics that could coexist, but they can be mutually exclusive. So when I say intimacy, I'm talking about the depth, the intensity of the friendship, their experiences together. And I think all of those things, those things taken together will influence if a person can not not even should, but can remain in a friendship with someone of the opposite sex and maintain, you know, their relationship. That's a good point because in, I think after I dived into this question and I talked to so many different people, one of the common themes was can. It was can. Can you do this? Can I trust you to do this? And so we kind of get away from the right and wrong and the should and the shouldn't and we boil down to the word necessity and is it necessary to remain friends with this person and potentially cause problems and not allow your new relationship to flourish and so what are some of the things that you have either experienced personally or vicariously that make a platonic relationship work well okay so I think first of all everything you said is spot on but for sure something that makes a platonic friendship work well is all of the things that make any relationship work well, right? Like trust, the ability or to enjoy each other's time without much effort. So sort of that organic connection that happens. And I think that that's probably also the foundation, or I would argue is the foundation of many romantic relationships. And so it's just the depth of the intimacy that comes into play, the experiences. So in my own experience, 
I've maintained lifelong friendships, platonic friendships with people of the same sex uh, and people of the opposite sex. And a lot of the times it had to do with us growing up together, having shared some of the same neighborhood experiences, as well as going through tough times together and really being able to sell those things and tackle them together. Now, some of those relationships were situational. They were because there was only a limited amount of Black people in the neighborhood. I'm going to use race as an example because there's shared experiences there. But the ones that have persisted have been those organic connections, right? Those where there's reciprocity and there's not so much effort to keep going. And so for me, that those are key elements. Now, did some of my relationships change once I got into my relationship with my husband? Some of them did, not initially, but eventually some did. And some relationships took care of themselves. And it's hard to determine whether it was because me and my friends were just in a totally different space and we were growing apart anyways, or if it actually had to do with the relationship itself. It's interesting because I think, you know, growing up, how we grew up, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, Brandy is my first cousin. And so a lot of her experiences were mine as well. I can attest to some of those relationships that have been lifelong relationships. They do continue effortlessly. And I think the reason why for me, they were able to continue through my different relationships is because of the respect that we had for one another Mm -hmm. and their respect for me communicated a respect for my partner that I was choosing what, regardless of how they felt about my choice, right? Mm -hmm. Because there were times where they would have preferred me to choose someone else. Right. But because they respected me and our friendship, they also um, respected my partner in that dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we get back to the respect thing. And so I'll say from my personal experience, I've not been lucky or blessed enough to where all of my partner's platonic friendships have been as respectful or as welcoming. And a lot of times it translates into, oh, well, you're jealous or you're you're not trusting your partner. You have to trust your partner. No, I do. But you're in a situation and you're the new person in this situation. And we'll call it a triad because we'll just stick to one particular friend uh, for the sake of conversation then you have to start asserting boundaries and getting some understandings and figuring out your place. And in the process of doing that, the word jealousy comes up a lot and insecure comes up a lot. But I don't think that that's always the correct term for that. So how, how do you explain the transitions that are happening in three different lives to form ultimately one relationship? You'll have your relationship with your partner and, and they'll have their friendship with your partner, but ultimately it needs to kind of get to a place where you're all living in the same world. Right. And that can be a bumpy road and a hard transition for some. But when you start throwing words out like jealous and insecure, that person gets defensive, right? And then communication becomes difficult around the topic. What are some ways that people can kind of open the door for that communication to happen? Yes, I guess let me just rewind a little bit because you're spot on with that jealousy 
is typically the way early stage triads are characterized. And it's usually the female partner being accused of being jealous or insecure. And a lot of that can be attributed to our society and the type of emotional responses that we often put onto Black women, right? Women are angry, bitchy, jealous, insecure, and a little more angry, right? And that is a false narrative basically in a, in a lack of better terms but can we be all of those things yes because we're human and we have a, access to a full range of emotions does it mean that because we are curious about this other person that we're jealous no not necessarily does it mean that we're insecure no not necessarily although it could mean that that should not be the first um, accusation I'm going to call it an accusation because it can feel like an accusation accusation in a really harsh one. At the same time, I want to take a stigma off of jealousy because jealousy is a human emotion, just like happy, sad, mad. So it's what we do, the action that can make jealousy this very bad thing. But I just want to sort of demystify that and take the stigma off of jealousy as well. So that when people do feel a human emotion, they don't feel shame because shame will stop you from looking deep into things and figure out what you're feeling, help you to uncover your healing and really allow you to be reflective if you're feeling shame. So I just wanted to say that. But how do you address the initial stages of communication? I think communication is key. It's number one and it's important. And one thing that we have to start doing in general, but definitely in terms of this sort of situation, is have the conversation when things aren't heated. And I do not think that it should be on the other partner to necessarily start this conversation. And when you say the other partner, we're talking about the partner who's new to the right. triad, not the partner who's friend. Right. Let's just kind of name this triad. I'm going to say woman, woman, female partner is the new partner. There's a male counterpart and then there is a woman as well, right? Perfect. So the woman in the relationship who's new to this triad relationship should not hold the burden of facilitating these conversations off that. I do feel that she can express whatever it is that she needs to express about her initial thoughts because she should have freedom and feel freedom to do that anyways. But I do think in this sort of case that I described, the male partner who's a conduit piece should hit this head on because both of these people are important to him and both of these people see this person as an important part of their lives as well. So the burden should be on that person. The responsibility, right, should be on that person to try to build this bridge and really introduce these two important people to each other and let them know what role each of them play in his life is important and different, but important. And I think that that can set a healthy foundation so that they can coexist in this very peaceful, meaningful world with each other. I think that right there just put me into my next segue because as I talk to people in the Melanin tribe about their thoughts on the topic, many of them stated that what made their partners uh, platonic relationships work for them and make them feel comfortable was when they were invited into the situation and when they 
they were introduced and each person showed their hands and they were welcomed and they felt like they had a place in that. A lot of times the issue arises when the person feels left out or like we have our lives over here, but then you have a totally separate life over there with this person who also happens to be a woman. Right. And so what tends to happen is like you mentioned earlier, curiosity kind of feeling like, okay, well, what need is that person meeting that I'm not meeting? Because you have not done your duty because it is your duty, in my opinion, to make sure that your partner doesn't experience those kinds of curiosities and those kinds of feelings. So just to kind of go back to your piece on jealousy, I thought that all of that was extremely accurate. And I thank you for mentioning that. But there's another piece to the jealousy because it's true that the, the woman partner in the triad is often accused of jealousy, but that female friend can also experience jealousy on her end, not in a romantic way, but now you're trying to thrive in a relationship separate than your friendship that threatens the connection that she has to the male counterpart because now his intentions and his attention has to be reallocated and redirected. And sometimes that means that you don't have the access to him as a friend that you used to. If you're used to financial assistance, he has to reallocate that into the situation that he's trying to build. I think someone mentioned children. If your male friend is is a really good father figure or he stands in the gap for your child as a male figure and now he's building a family elsewhere, that those things all affect your friendship. Those are things that your friendship are based on. So you too, as a friend, can feel jealousy when your friend enters a new relationship. And I don't think enough attention is placed on that because as women, like you said, we always are characterized in these different strokes and that tends to create an imbalance from the beginning. Absolutely. And I will say in my own experience, my husband, when we, I mean, even still today, has a lot of male and female friends, but he had this one particular friend and I don't even know her name because she was one of the situations that worked itself out. (laughs) (laughs) She's been released, but (laughs) um, in particular, if I'm recalling correctly and remind you, this is like 10 years ago, she, she had children when they were in high school and DJ had done a lot of things for the kid. Um, When he was in high school, he worked at Shoe Warehouse, which if you're from California, I don't know if they have them in other states. It's like, it was the spot, right? And so he would get the kid, like, I don't know, Jordans and Nikes or whatever shoes. Um, And so then when we got together and by the point when we got together, they weren't even close anymore. But I became a threat to her and how I knew that was because she started texting or aiming or whatever it was that he was neglecting his son and all of this stuff and it was like and and I I remember the moment I was like wait a minute you got kids (laughs) (laughs) Um, excuse me we need to talk (laughs) quickly quickly but he didn't have kids but it goes to the point of like he played 
a very important role in this child's life and in her life as a platonic friend. And I would have been totally fine with him continuing that relationship with the child, except her actions were inappropriate. Her actions were clearly from a place of malice and the intentions weren't pure. And so I didn't have to ever address her because he did. And so, and did so like in a conversation where I was standing there. And so I felt like, hey, there's no secrets here. My curiosity is is shut, it's closed because everything is out on the table. And he's let her know that I'm an important part of his life. And also like, hey, we haven't talked on a daily basis in a long time and also kind of handled that situation, right? And in the same thing, there's been friendships that completely worked out perfectly. My husband has a best friend who is a woman and because she had pure intentions, because they actually had a platonic friendship that was actually that was healthy and uh, reciprocity was already a part of their friendship. So it wasn't one-sided and she wasn't relying on him to make her a happy person. They had a very healthy exchange and still do to this day. It made it easy for me to also build a relationship with her. And it didn't happen overnight. I'm not making it seem like, oh, okay, I see that you're good friends with him. You're his best friend, so we have to be best friends um that's not what i'm saying and for me i I think that i did let some curiosities creep in which now seems so silly because she's literally not anything like i was making in my head but because those things were nipped in the bud those curiosities very early on i could see her for who she actually was and she could see me for who i was and how much she cared about me because he showed that because he modeled that it made it easy for us over the years to become friends. And so now I can call her up at any time. We can talk on our own and then they have their own friendship. And then we have a friendship dynamic together. So I think those are two examples of my saying that it's complicated, right? Because I feel like he handled both of those situations with a similar energy. And because the other friend, the platonic friend also has a role in this, how are they going to enter the friendship with respect with good intention with just being a good person really um and saying okay this is now my new role with this person because it does take for them to assess and adjust as well and when they're not willing to do that we get to back to the can can this really work and not threaten what is really important to me and that is my new romantic relationship and so i think that that is an ongoing thing um, because this is a different episode, but that same question has happened with same-sex friends as well. Definitely. So just to kind of go back to a situation where I've personally experienced my partner being really, really good friends with um, a person platonically and there were children involved. So he's like a huge kid and he loves children and children love him and he has this really close bond with these different children's 
in these different relationships that he exists in. And one of the, the people, their intentions are clearly not pure because the situation went as I actually did something for the child for her birthday. And she didn't respond to me whatsoever. It was basically like I was like a, um, a courier. Like I just was an unrelated party and I did this and she didn't need to acknowledge me. But then she said something to him about it. So the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay. So then I did, I said something about the way that I felt about that. And guess what, girl? What? Why she said I was lying and she didn't say Yeah, that. that's... <laughs> so it was just like so right. bizarre. But let me tell you why we never recovered and we will not recover from that because A, I don't feel like he addressed it correctly. Whatever conversation he had, it was separate and it didn't seem to have been effective in my right. opinion. And then she persists that, you know, the story went a different way. And so that let me know immediately, okay, this person needs to be released because their mm-hmm. intentions are not good. And what you Released. <laughs> they have to go. Because it doesn't make any sense if your intentions are what you say. But I've also seen it done really well in both my current relationship and my prior. Each of them had a female friend that was really, really amazing and really great. And one of them, still my friend, we're still connected today, even though that relationship ended. And then his best friend from junior high, you know, reached out to me and just kind of the same thing. Just very, very welcoming and warm. And you can tell that that energy is genuine. And so it does It's also not just depend on your trust for your partner and your security, uh, but it does also uh, depend on that friend and their intentions and how they are going to adjust and maneuver in the new situation. And so I thought that all of those points that you hit were very important to this because each scenario will have its own nuances and its own things that you have to articulate and that you have to work through. And none of it's easy, right? None of it's easy because we've kind of talked about this before too is our framework and how we've seen the term friend and sister and play friend and play cousin Mm -hmm. and whatever cover up intimate and sexual relationships so when you put that that label of friend on it then everybody kind of turns a blind eye to it like oh no 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 but what we know now in our age and in this day and time is that that can be extremely deceptive oh absolutely and I was actually going to get to that in your first question about what have we seen but wanted to take a break from talking and Gracie yes like we know that has been something that we've seen go completely bad and also I think personally gave me some trust issues even though I wasn't an active actor in any of those right so to have seen (laughs) like just friends and family members have this girlfriend and then to say oh no this is my best friend but because we're privy to them 
them because of our own friendships or family connections with them, see them having these best friends and having sex with them. I don't even know if I would call it an intimate relationship. It was often the side chick who got called the best friend. They didn't really have a friendship outside of that. Right. Or sometimes they did, but sex was the biggest part of their friendships. And then knowing that that person is being deceived. So yes, when you then enter your own relationship and now your partner's like, oh, I have a best friend. She happens to be a woman. I'm like, what? Friend, you say? You say, really? <laughs> How long has this friendship Friend, been going you know? on, right? And it's because And we- if you also, the other piece to that brand is if you think about even the older generation, so we know about our situation and how we grew up, but our parents and, and our grandparents, oftentimes when they got a new boyfriend or a new person that they were involved with sexually, uncle. Right, right? exactly. Or my friend. Or Mr. This. Which I, I, is totally that. inappropriate you know I mean? and, so- and I don't understand, but Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> and even that's another conversation oh, for how those lines gosh, get blurred yes. and what we start to feel like is okay. Yes, and it's not okay. Yes. But so you know, you know my brain to, went to, to where it went. To- <laughs> <laughs> I know, and that's why I said that's a separate conversation. <laughs> because, the, but to speak to the piece that we know historically that these various types of relationships have been covered up by familiar names, yes. and, and to make this person say less of a threat um, if it's your uncle, if it's your friend, if it's Mr. Barry, if it's Mrs. White, you know what right. I mean? Then, oh, okay, that takes the curiosity out of it because there's no way that this person will be sexually involved with their sister if they're like sisters right. and, and brother, you know, then it's safe and it hasn't been safe. Correct. And we operate from a framework of our upbringing. So we operate and we act out on our actions from things that are familiar and the root of the word familiar is family. And, you know, whether that means childhood family or other environments that we've been around, we're going to adopt those perspectives and even apply them to our own relationships, even if it is innocent. And so that's why I wanted to take the stigma off of jealousy because those things can come up for various reasons. Because for me, trying my curiosity, if it had not been nipped in the butt as early as it did, could have been damaging to their friendship too if I'm being honest because what I knew a female best friend to be for a male was what I just explained so that could have if I let my anxiety let my curiosity and if his mismanagement of my curiosity and of my feelings would have all clashed I could have also very well ruined my own relationship and their friendship that have been blossoming for a long time. I say that because I don't want to make it seem like a well-intentioned partner is also just perfect or always handling things the right way because I know that I could have been damaging to that if it had not been handled. And that's why I want to go back to communication is key. As corny as it sounds, all of that stuff... I will tell you 100% when I'm being stubborn or if I don't want to communicate, I always make things work. Always. And that is the same for him. Like communication is the bottom line. It is like the foundation that you need. It's not the only thing that you need. You still need trust and all the other reciprocity, all the other key elements to a relationship. But in this particular situation, those first few conversations, especially being led by the middle person, is going to be super 
super instrumental in how well or poorly things turn out. So let's go back to the piece about ruining or damaging their friendship and how that can materialize into bitterness Mm -hmm. and frustration Mm -hmm. and hurt. And a lot of men won't admit that they're hurt or that they are frustrated and they'll kind of go on, but that will materialize in other ways. So just to speak to your role, yes, you're well-intentioned and no, you don't intend to damage anything. You too have a a responsibility to communicate so that everybody is clear and that you guys can come to some kind of sound agreement so that he is not bitter towards you. But we have to stick to this word jealousy and we have to, like you said, kind of destigmatize it because a lot of times I don't feel like it's stubbornness that keeps women from vocalizing their concerns. I think it's the fear of being labeled jealous and what that means. And better yet, insecure. Because that is a a scene and a stab to to any woman, I believe. Especially when you're not. And I feel like for Black women, we have so many labels and so many character traits and so many different tropes that we try to fight against that when you're actually not something and someone is accusing you of being that, in addition to the hurt and the anger about being misunderstood in your position, the label insecure, it's damaging because then you start to question yourself and you say, well, am I insecure? Well, do I, you know, and it creates all sorts of emotions for you. So when we're talking about these things, we have to be very careful because it's not always a trust issue and it's not always an insecure issue. That person's feelings, whatever they are, are valid. And it is your partner's duty to validate and to make sure that you're not feeling dismissed and that you're not feeling trapped inside of a situation where you're scared to lose your partner if you speak up or you're scared that this is going to turn into an argument or you're going to be misunderstood. So like you said, as corny as it sounds, I'm always going to be an advocate for communication and an advocate for open and honest relationships. And what does that look like, right? Good communication. Because I know I didn't grow up seeing a lot of good communication skills. And so... I don't think I yeah, saw any very well-intentioned people. And I'll even be honest to say not even Right, right. <laughs> no, right. Because of the power dynamic and the way that the teacher was all about their power and what they said was right, right? So that's what it 100%. And no fault to anybody because these people weren't trying to model bad communication, right? Like that wasn't their intention. But sometimes it's less about the intention and more about the impact. So for me, I didn't grow up seeing a lot of good communication skills. But what does that I look like and I think I've already mentioned this but having the conversation soon and when you're in a situation where you're without conflict because if you wait until conflict right or an argument is already in play and then you try to bring up things that you're truly concerned about we already got egos in the mix right? Someone's already trying to win the argument and no one's really being heard. And there's no real possibility for a good level-headed action plan to be created. So definitely being clear, being concise and knowing that what you feel is valid when you go into the conversation can go a long way. Trust your intuition. There's a reason why we have intuition. We even feel it in our bodies. We often feel it in our chest or in our tummies, right? Especially for women we talk about like oh I had this 
feeling and we don't trust that. So trust your intuitions and know that what you have to say is true. It's valid. It's founded in something and express that early on quickly. And when there's you're in a conversation, it's already without conflict, because I think that's when we're most clear headed and we can say, hey, when X, Y and Z happened, that pissed me off or that made me feel sad or that made me feel left out or whatever it was. And I can give an example. My husband spent a lot of time with his female best friend in the beginning stages because that's who he was kicking it with. It's his best friend. And I remember him taking her to the movies. And even the way that I explained to him taking her to the movies when they went to the movies together, right? But in my brain, it was him taking her to the movie. I totally, and like I said, I'm literally smiling right now because I didn't know her as well as I do now. And I was like, bro, what are you doing? You cannot be taking other women to the movies (laughs) you know and he was like what that's my best friend like I'm not on a date like this is my best friend (laughs) no this is a date and in my brain I was like he didn't went on a date and so it's important and I literally felt so silly at first and I played in my head so many times like he wouldn't do that like all of these things and I was coming up with every excuse for him trying to shut down my own voice and I was glad that I moved forward with feelings to have that conversation because it did clear up some things I still in that moment did not feel okay with them continuing movie dates and so I made that very clear and it did not end the relationship but that's what I mean like if it had been handled differently I could have taken it as far as like I don't want y'all to talk at all or I don't want this or I don't want that but I said you know what for right now as I'm getting to know her like I just don't feel comfortable with that just for many reasons some that I can't even verbalize but can you just honor that you know and I didn't have the language of like honor and all that stuff 10 years ago but basically in a nutshell can you just honor that and we can go from there I think that those are all really good points and I just want to point out the fact that our own baggage and the way that we grew up and what we grew up seeing can also make us responsive to things and so knowing yourself too right because it doesn't take a lot to for me to get my imagination going and so I've had to learn to be very reflective and talk myself through and and that's what triggered that for me as you saying well I tried to talk myself off the ledge a lot of times because I find myself as a person who deals with a lot of anxiety and I find myself talking myself off the edge a lot and even though that's improved over the years I know that about myself and so before I take anything to to him or before I start looking at her funny I really really start trying to work through this stuff in my head because I know yes so you have to know you and you have to know the baggage that you're Mm -hmm. bringing in and you have to say how much of this is him how much of this does he need to address and how much do I yes exactly even though I wasn't during that time I hadn't been to therapy I hadn't um, I think I've always been a reflective person but I hadn't been intentional about it so it took me longer to get to where I needed to be with the situation but I feel like that's still okay because I think talking ourselves Mm -hmm. off the ledge there's a thin line between shutting off our intuition and our inner voice that's valid and saying okay let me just take 
take some time to make sure what I'm feeling is from a proper standpoint. There's a very thin line. And so for me, I was not in that place. So I think I was proud of myself for setting boundaries because I haven't been good at that and saying, this makes me uncomfortable right now. It doesn't mean that it's always going to make me uncomfortable, but right now it does. So can we just focus on this particular thing for now, right? And just kind of like breaking it up. And as I got to witness their friendship, as I developed my relationship with her and all of those things, like I said, it seemed silly. But in that moment, it was so real and it was important for me to say those things. And I don't know that I had enough time to be reflective because I think that I was like already like on one when I addressed him. So that conversation may not have been a good example of if y'all could have seen it um, of coming in with a level head. But we were without conflict in that moment, which allowed me to check myself and say, okay, like he has not done anything, but this will make me feel more comfortable. And because he wasn't in an argument with me, he was like, okay, like I can see this is bothering you. Like, what's up? You know, that's very true. And I know for certain that being in therapy and now doing therapy and kind of seeing how normal some of these situations are. Because see, a lot of the times we feel like it's right. only us. So it becomes very, very escalated because it's like, oh my God, you're doing this to me. And why are you doing this to me? But when you start to build a network of people also married or also in very committed relationships and you begin to share stories. And I feel like that's another thing that perpetuates this issue is is everybody's like, oh, we're so private about it. We don't talk about our businesses. And it's just us. And then you don't have any one of your network to support or to lean on. So again, your imagination is like, this is only me. This is happening to me. So being in this field and kind of going through the process of therapy myself has opened up my trajectory to a lot of different possibilities and a lot of different scenarios. So I'm able to better maneuver and communicate but that still doesn't mean it's perfect so like you said like if you were to see some of these discussions you'd probably be like hey right right (laughs) exactly because right because we're human and I want to come back to the feeling of isolation but we're human so I always tell people yes I have these graduate degrees and stuff but I grew up where I grew up sometimes I say what I say and it is what it is you know Mm -hmm. and I mean mean what I say and sometimes I need to check myself and that's okay because we go back to what was familiar what is our childhood family our biological families how we were socialized our childhood environments or even our current environment so we have to show ourselves some self-compassion because I have a life that has been riddled with some very joyous times but also some trauma and that has Mm -hmm. caused me to have anxiety but now that I can name anxiety I know that I've had it my entire life for good reason when we look at some some of my experiences but we can do well by kind of shedding off that negative self-talk with gratitude and self-compassion so when you start 
started talking about us being so private to our detriment, that resonated with me because we as women and we as, and probably men too, for a, a set of number of reasons, but definitely in the black community, it's like, don't air your dirty lunch. And I feel like that has been to our detriment. And my therapist this summer told me to read a book called Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. And I literally, I'm going to be um, honest, I was like this woman is writing from a white middle class perspective and I won't be able to relate with this. Like, this is not for Black because we have so many other things that we deal with and I stand corrected. I read that book and it's been a pivotal book in my life because I have negative self-talk and that negative self-talk intersects with culture and then it's easy for me to feel like I'm the only one dealing with this, right? And one of the pieces of self compassion says that we have to know that we're in a shared human experience that we're not alone and so even though I say that I do have somebody I can talk to Gracie one of my best friends also my first cousin because she's trustworthy and she reciprocates all these things so I would say to find somebody who hold those qualities who are trustworthy who can reciprocate who may be able to relate but even if they can't relate or haven't experienced it they can show empathy and they can show you compassion so that you can start to show yourself some compassion through these things because we do fly off the handle sometimes and we do end up in situations where we're like damn I could have handled that differently but to be compassionate toward ourselves and say hey I really felt that but let's explore why is an important step to be had. I think the exploring the why is the biggest step and just to connect it all back to it the why is explored when you're communicating exactly. your feelings with your partner. The why <laughs> Why is discovered when you are being honest with yourself about what's triggering you and whether it turns out to be that you're hypersensitive or that this is valid or that this is what your intuition is telling you. The why will be revealed when exactly. you start communicating. And when you feel isolated, it's hard to communicate because your partner can make you feel isolated uh -huh. in the situation too. So having a network of people that you can rely on is important, but you need reciprocity. I don't want Always exactly. telling you this is going on with me, and you're sitting on the phone. Oh yeah, my me and my husband we get along great. We don't have those problems because you're furthering 100%. the isolation. So I'm just gonna say that being transparent and having honest reciprocal relationships is what helps people maneuver through these situations. And being honest with not only yourself and your partner, but also being honest with your friends because just like Brandy mentioned, she relies on me a lot for support. I rely on her tremendously as well so she knows me well enough to be like well Gracie you know I don't think that's what that right. was you know or Gracie I think you may be right but you could have said it like this and I think that would have been better just having outlets it doesn't have to always be a therapist or a counselor but nothing replaces that professional relationship a counselor is very different than having a yes. best friend to talk to but some people don't have access to that mm -hmm. or, or finances or time or whatever and just having some kind of outlet that is positive and that does show compassion really really separate how long you stay in these places and how you get mm -hmm. out of them so with that being said do you have any practical tips or ideas on how people can work through these other than the communication that we've kind of yeah um, I do but I want to follow up with everything that both of us said because I do know a lot of people have a hard time 
either like navigating getting therapy or access or whatever the case is that some people don't have to be a therapist to be therapeutic if they embody a lot of the characteristics that we both discussed and that's not to say that you shouldn't see a therapist but definitely things can be therapeutic I do have some practical things at the risk of being repetitive I'm going to say communication is always number one good communication not just any old arguing that's not communication but I will also say journaling and when I say journaling I also want to destigmatize that because there is not a format that works well for everyone. You can journal by just jotting things down in a notebook in terms of bullet points, or it could be more narrative and storytelling. It just be true to yourself, right? And if it feels weird or unlike you to call it journaling, call it whatever else you want. Call it your expressions notebook, call it your mood notebook, call it whatever you'd like but get your ideas down on paper before you go into a a conversation that's thoroughly helped me because like Gracie said it doesn't take much from my imagination to get set off and then I have a very vivid and rampant one also it doesn't take a lot for me to feel right I'm an empath so sometimes I need to go and just write things down to kind of first of all clarify what are the most important things to me that I need to address so I don't have this overwhelming conversation where I'm just rambled and saying a whole bunch of stuff but what are the key points that are important to me and sometimes once I write things down and step away I'm like oh that's not really that important to me but these two things yeah that's still at home so going and writing those things down we just explore one big one find a confidant right find a confidant somebody who can embody all the characteristics we talked about and Find a therapist that is or a counselor if you have access or if you don't have access to like a traditional in-person. There are a lot of um, online therapy groups that are free as well. You can find them on Facebook. You can go to um, Gracie. Maybe you can help me. It's slipping my brain. There's a um, is it SAMHSA, the trauma website. They have a list of online groups and they even have them as specific as like therapy for black women experiencing codependency or like whatever. Right. So I think all of these things can help in general, but definitely as you entering into a new relationship or entering in a new relationship and acquiring new family members and new friends as a part of that um, relationship can be very helpful and help um, you to thrive and flourish in the relationship you're hoping to thrive and flourish in. Yay! I thought all of those hit on point. And just to kind of speak to some of the things that I think you can do is develop hobbies and things that you enjoy doing together, whether it's a walk, whether it's a TV show, whether it's, you know, a movie date or whatever. Do those things and kind of create your own space as well so that you're figuring out ways to enjoy time and build together but ultimately it is my belief that as long as you keep your love and your relationship as a priority all the other things will work themselves out and so I will close with that I really appreciate you um, listening to us and I hope that it was helpful you can find us at for melanin steak underscore on Instagram and you can find us at for melanin steak podcast on Facebook Brandy's Instagram handle is at brenee562 if you guys want to reach out to her for comments or anything like that and with that we hella black we hella proud hey. for sake. <laughs>